All right, it's episode 29, pain points of wealth, and tech is starting to dive, and old school stocks are starting to win. We had the NASDAQ in the last week have a 10% correction, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the old school index, hit an all-time record high. So symbolically, as the economy is reopening, old school versus new school, is this trend going to continue? Also, what catalyst in your financial life is going to get you going to make sure that you're getting all your ducks lined when it comes to everything financially speaking. We're going to break that down today, the urgency of financial planning. It's going to be a great show. Let's hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. All right, I'm watching my screen. Chris, guess what? Tech's down 11% year to date, where small cap, mid cap, and large cap value stocks, what Ryan so affectionately calls old school, kind of sounds like me, doesn't it? is up at new all-time record highs. So the great rotation that we've been talking about for what, six months now, continues. Well, you know what's crazy? I've looked at a few of my clients have brought over some assets this week that we weren't managing, if you can believe that. And 90% of them, believe it or not, were in large growth stocks. No small caps, no energy, all growth. Well, guys, I don't get it. I mean, Amazon, Google, Apple, like they're just making money hand over fist like they're the stocks of the future. They're the stocks of last year, but I'm going to store things off Amazon. I'm still going to be buying my Apple phone, my Apple watch, my Apple brain. So I don't get it. You know, how can these massive big tech companies that are just like the creme de la creme in the US all of a sudden not be hot anymore? It makes no sense to me. You know, something that I always say is valuations don't matter until they do. And there's also, you're investing in great companies but is it also a great stock? Sometimes you're paying way too much for a stock. Take a look at Cisco or GE today. Right. They were the darlings back in the year 2000, many, many years ago. And to your point, Bob, those stocks did nothing for years. And it wasn't because they were bad companies. Well, GE arguably is a bad company, but that's another podcast altogether. But you get to a point where, look, they're great companies, but they're priced like great companies. There's no room for upside in their stocks. And I think that's the hard thing to comprehend. Well, the company's making money and they're doing well, but if that's already priced into the market, well, you're going to be really disappointed. You know, guys, you know, we always say almost every week, history doesn't always repeat, but it often rhymes. And I'll tell you what, my head is just exploding right now because I feel like I'm in my way back machine back in 1999 when clients were calling every day, these companies I've never heard of, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Facebook, you know, all these companies are going to be the greatest companies ever. But there are also a couple of thousand names that I can't even remember because they went out of business. And I think that was the big news this week. That's what happened. Those new great companies and new, new ideas, they didn't get hit hard. They got destroyed. They got shellacked this week. They got devastated. They went down 100% in a week. Well, you know, if I take that way back machine, Bob, the only thing that would have been the same is your hair. It looks exactly the same. I don't get it. But no, it's a good point. It's like you know, all these stocks last year, like Peloton, Zoom, right? We had that work from home trade, which everyone was enamored with. Like those stocks kept going up and up and up. And it's kind of common sense. And we talked about this. They become less important as the economy reopens because ideally, 
you know, we're not sitting inside come the summertime when the vaccine's distributed to almost everybody, hopefully. And we're going to restaurants again. We're, you know, we're doing workouts outside and we're enjoying doing the activities we did before the pandemic. And that's the problem investors make, right? They're always looking at yesterday's winners or whatever did the best recently. And as we know, we have this thing called rotation. Whatever was the best place to be before is probably not the best place to be in the future. Well, that's a good point you make, Rye, because this is really isn't investing at all. This is gambling. Investing is when you buy things that are out of favor, buy things when they're low. Right now, what you have are people buying things just because it feels good, because they think it's good. There's no fundamentals behind it. You know, guys, there's never anything new on Wall Street. You know, you remember that movie we watched the other couple of years ago, The Wolf of Wall Street? You had these charlatans that were cold calling people in Long Island in the New York area, pitching stocks that had no value from the, what were called the pink sheets. Well, you know, they're not around anymore, right? They've been regulated out of business. Now you've got message boards. You've got people out there tweeting ideas, right? Now it's a self-inflicted wound on the part of investors. They're doing it to themselves. They think they're buying the next new, new thing. But you know what? I can't even make these names up. You know, I'm going to put all my money in Shockwave Medical. I'm going to buy Northern Genesis. I'm going into Grow Generation Corp. I mean, it's almost like the pink sheets are alive and well on the internet and the sucker's been born every single minute of the day. They sound like, you know, the names of sci-fi movies as opposed to actual <laughs> places you can invest your money. Well, I think there's two things going on. You have the new, new thing, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's all these hot stocks, Bob, that we've never heard of before that are going to change the world potentially. But also, I think it is about yesterday's winners. And last year, again, going back to the fact that all these work from home stocks did well and big tech did well. Well, it was the only game in town. And I liken this to going clubbing back in 2000 in New York City at the risk of dating myself. You know, the meatpacking district was this old school part of town. It was kind of dilapidated. There was a couple tech firms that worked there, but they had one hot club. It was called Marquee. And the line would be around the block every single week. You know, everyone wanted to get into this one club because it was the only place to go. And that's where Paris Hilton used to hang out too. And that was like last year in the stock market, tech was the only game in town. They were the only companies making any money. Now that's changed. Well, that's the problem. When you have a cycle like this, where you see great growth from a small area of the market, it starts to attract all the dollars. And I think the best fund that illustrates that is something called the ARC funds. Unlike the Janus funds of the 90s, you now have the ARC funds. But when you look at a portfolio, it's really hard for investors to understand risk because risk is really something that's only recognized in hindsight. Now, you and I, we've all seen that. We knew that these companies were overvalued. We knew that these funds were overvalued. But, you know, Chris, look what happened to the ARC funds over the last two weeks. And just to explain what an ARC fund is, an ARC fund is an exchange-traded fund with its top holdings are companies like Tesla, Square, Roku, Teldoc, and Zillow. This was a fund that was up 180% last year. And I've gotten calls at the beginning of February to buy into this fund. But from February through now, the fund's down like 25%. That's what happens in a big booming bull market. Everybody starts to expand their risk tolerance. You become more aggressive in your portfolio thinking, how can this be bad? It keeps going up. Same thing happened in the bond market. Anyone who has long-term bonds is down 12, 13%. Hey guys, it's only two months into the year. You know, that's an annualized 140% decline. So what happens is you don't really understand risk. It's only understood in hindsight. You really have to be on top of your game. You have to have somebody who's really keeping an eye out for you so you don't take unnecessary risk because it can hurt you in a hurry. Yeah, and that's the problem. It's the inherent risk that you don't see. And I saw an advertisement for this platform called Coinbase where you can trade your Bitcoin. 
Well, now they're letting you borrow against your Bitcoin, which granted is one of the most volatile asset classes in the world. I mean, Bitcoin's going down as much as almost 80% two years ago. And now you can borrow against it at 8%, never mind, when interest rates are supposed to be low. You know, a lot of these borrowers, they're going to wipe themselves out because God forbid all of a sudden Bitcoin goes down big. You get a margin call where all of a sudden they want your collateral is not enough anymore. And you can't pay back the loan. Well, they're going to sell your Bitcoin at a low. It reminds me of the housing bubble when people were just taking home equity loans and borrowing against this like fake value in these houses. And literally people bankrupt themselves because that value completely vanished. I mean, things went to zero. I don't think people grasp or investors grasp how much risk there is in a lot of parts of the market right now. And it's one of those things, like you said, Bob, you're not going to know it. You're not going to know it until the rug's pulled from underneath you. You know, Rob, I was listening to you the other day while you're on national TV talking about the economy. And that's the thing. Everybody's focused on how bad they're doing in tech stocks, where the real opportunity is the rest of the entire market globally. There's opportunity everywhere. We've got money, more money than we've ever seen. Vaccination rates are going up. Infection rates are going down. The economy is opening. 15 states are completely open in their economy right now. And there's cyclical companies, reopening stocks, companies that have not been up in the last couple of years, and I would argue have been in a bear market, are now in a booming bull market, and none of you have any money there. So Bob, to sum things up in a simple equation, because I'm a simple man, is number one, look, you've got tons of vaccines that are going to be available. We're all going to be able to get the vaccine by the summertime. Add that to the massive amount of stimulus the government's created. That's going to equal a booming economy come later this year, and that equals inflation and inflation equals higher interest rates. So the bottom line is the dynamics are changing. Last year's portfolio did great last year. I hope you killed it in tech. We killed it in tech. But if you want to prosper in this new open economy, you've got to reposition your portfolio in those old school stocks that are going to win. Hey, if you love our podcast, maybe you really love our podcast, don't be shy. Click on the like button, click on the subscribe button. You can also sign up and have our podcast sent to you every single week so you can get our timely advice on the markets, on financial advice. And please don't be shy. Put a comment in the comment section. We love the discourse. Let us know what you want to talk about. Give us your feedback. We want to hear it. And with no further ado, gentlemen, it's the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we find it very easy to procrastinate when it comes to our financial planning issues. You guys know this better than anybody, right? Dealing with people and their finances is a very tricky thing. So I thought we could discuss some scenarios that might cause you to have a bit more sense of urgency. And I think right now after the pandemic, I think we are feeling a lot more urgency when it comes to our finances. You know, guys, it's really about financial planning. There should always be a sense of urgency because a lot of you think, well, my goal is to make as much money as I can. Well, making money is not a goal. Why do you need to make money? What's the purpose of money? Right. So you need to understand what you're trying to accomplish. What's, you know, you have to have the end in mind. If you want to have a lifetime of income you can't outlive, do you want to have a big pile of go to hell money so that you don't have to work for the rest of your life? And really it comes down to two things, guys. Number one, are you taking more risk than necessary to achieve those goals? But the flip side of that is some of you aren't taking enough risk. You get too much money sitting in cash. You're not getting any return on your money. Well, I think it's even more basic than that. Like I spoke with a couple, Generation X. They've been saving money. The COVID hit and they kind of had like an existential crisis because they're always like, you know what? We're gonna, always going to get to the planning part of it. I know we're saving money. I know we have money in different places. You know, At some point in the future, we're going to plan, we're going to plan, we're going to plan. And now they're like, you know what? We're in our 40s. And when is that day going to come when we actually plan 
And I think, you know, with the pandemic and being home and realizing that life is short, you know, it is precious, that you can't wait on these things. You've got to start to address these issues because if you don't, time's just going to pass you by. All of a sudden you're 50, 60, and we see this all the time and no planning's been done and you're missing a lot of opportunities to put yourself, like you said, Bob, to give yourself that go to hell money, you know, give yourself that financial independence we all dream about. Well, it's kind of like a ship without a compass or a train without tracks. I mean, the ship's not going to be able to go anywhere or make any kind of headway without the compass. And I'll give you a great example. So recently, a client of mine actually lost his job. He's 60 years old, and he was actually offered an early buyout to his pension. And it wasn't really a panic situation because we knew, even though he didn't have a job, because we did planning over the last 10 years, we knew he was going to be set for life. So it really was just a matter of figuring out what he wants to do next and making the most of his current situation. Well, you know, Chris, you're a sailor. So if you don't have a GPS, you don't have a Loran, like all the technology that you've had with boating in the last couple of years, you go back, you know, 100 years ago, you always had to follow the North Star, right? So financial planning is like the North Star of your directive in life when it comes to your money. And, you know, it's even more than that, because when you look at the markets, everybody thinks, oh, well, you know, we've been in a big booming market for 10 years. It's easy. Well, it's not easy. It's not easy to stay invested when you have a pandemic 35% decline like we did just this time last year. It's easy to panic. So the only way I found to take the emotions out of investing is to attach your emotional resolve to things that matter, like your retirement, like your children, like your charities. So when you tie that strategy to achieving those goals, you know, it becomes common sense, right? If I panic out now, I'm not going to be able to retire. Well, it's a good point because it becomes more real because either you're taking too much risk. The question is, well, look, you're taking a lot of risk right now with your money and we have a market crash tomorrow and you lose that money. Well, it's not just the money you're losing for yourself. It could be for your family. And if you're retired and if that could derail your whole retirement, well, you know, that really puts some emotion around it. On the flip side, Bob, to your point, you know, if we do get a big crash in the market and it's like, yes, you can take your money out of stocks and put them in cash right now, it'll feel good. But if you need that money long term for retirement to grow, well, you know, it puts context around it. And I think that's the thing. When you have context around why your money's invested, it makes it easier. When you don't have context around your money, well, then whatever. Buy high, sell low, do whatever with your money. You know, the stakes feel a lot lower, but they're a lot higher than that when you start to actually really think about what that money's for. Hey, Chris, you know, like, you know, when I go to a doctor's office, they say, oh my God, what a magnificent specimen, right? I'm the, the healthiest guy on the planet. But immediately put me on a treadmill and they stress my system, right? They do a stress test. How often do you do a stress test with your clients on their financial plan? Well, that it is true. You are the healthiest man on the planet, but it's got nothing to do with you. It all has to do with the fact that mom's been feeding you healthy cardboard for the past 40 years. But to answer your question, I do a financial stress test for my clients every single year. And as much as this can be painful, you know, the reality is, is that we're able to find out if there's any problems that we can fix today. Because when you wait for a problem to exacerbate, it just gets worse as time goes on. Yeah, you can't be Pollyannish in your view, right? You have to have what if scenarios. What if you lose your job early? What if you have an illness that doesn't enable you to go back to work? What if your spouse passes away and you lose that pension benefit? You got to make sure that you have all your ducks aligned. And it's not about, oh, well, things are great. Everything's fine. I feel good. I look good. Now, you know, you can look good on paper, but once you go through that stress test, you can start to make some of the risk adjustments that need to be done right now. You know, it really is about risk, right? It's either you're taking too much risk, not taking enough risk. And what does that all mean? And I think, again, it's like anything else. Like I remember 
I used to have this car that mom and dad bought me back in the 90s, this Honda Accord, beautiful black car that ran like a dreamboat. But of course, you know, I was a teenager, I was 16, and I did nothing for the upkeep on that car. I rode it into the ground and it worked fine until one day it didn't, right? One day, all of a sudden, all the problems came out and it seemed like they came out of nowhere. But the reality of it was, it was years of years of not doing any sort of maintenance. And that's what happens again with financial planning. The more you avoid it and the more you're cruising along, it's like you're compounding those bad mistakes over and over again. And like my car, eventually someday, it just doesn't work. And you're sitting there dumbfounded, like, how could this happen to me? So it really isn't about how much money did you make last year? How much money am I going to make this year? What's the return on my portfolio? What you really have to do is define what really matters, and that's risk. What does risk mean to you? Well, if I look it up in Webster's Dictionary, it means the possibility of loss. It means damage. It means injury. I don't want to lose money. I don't want to be damaged. I don't want to be injured. So I think the big question all of you need to ask your advisor right now and ask yourself, what is your strategy for minimizing risk in your portfolio? Bob, Chris, and I have now spent a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over $500,000 and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for a free financial review at www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying, including those hidden fees, tax optimization, and a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right track to achieving financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, it's the Pain Points of Wealth. If you're digging our content, you love our content, don't be shy. Click on the like button, subscribe to our channel. You can have our show sent to your inbox every single week and leave a comment. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you want to talk about financially speaking. All right, gentlemen, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, despite the pandemic, the total number of billionaires around the world rose by 412 to a record 3,228 billionaires. Overall, China added 259 billionaires to this list, more than the rest of the world combined. You know, right? it's really amazing when you think about it. The richest 100,000 American families hold about 16 trillion, that's trillion with a T, in net assets. But you know, rather than be jealous of these billionaires, you, know, you should just really celebrate your own success. The U.S. household wealth is at an all-time record high. That means every one of you right now is worth more than you've ever been worth in your life when you add up how much your home's appreciated, your pension, your portfolios. So it makes sense. The people have most of the money when wealth goes up as dramatically as it has are going to have more than most of the money. It's just a matter of compounding. Well, Bob, I'm a real American. I don't care about absolute wealth. I care about relative wealth. And I noticed Chris has a sailboat and I don't, and I'm bitter. All right, Chris. In 1950, the 10-year treasury yielded just 2.3%, not much higher than the current yield of around 1.5%. But by 1981, the 10-year yield was 13.7%. Could we see the same thing happen again? Well, you know what, Ray? A lot of my clients right now are in the process of refinancing their homes and interest rates are starting to go up. And they're complaining about getting rates that are 3%. 
But I think back in the 1980s, Dad, I think when you bought that first house at the shore, I think your interest rate might have been something like 18%. I think you thought that was a good deal. Well, actually, it was 22%. And I took the 11% adjustable because I was really a genius back then. Moral of the story, don't complain we're getting a 3% interest rate. Bob, if you bought and held $10,000 of low-quality stocks at the end of 1989, the nest egg today at 57 would be worth 387000 versus only 173000 if you bought all the high-quality stocks over the same time. Does that mean junk stocks are better than quality stocks, Bob? Absolutely does, right? Junk always outperforms high-quality when it comes to stocks. And if you look at all the different asset classes that are available for you to invest in, the number one performing segment of the economy and then the market has been what we call small company value stocks. Now, I've been reviewing portfolios for 46 years. 90% of you don't have a dime invested in small company value stocks. You know what would be a good time to start? Today. Chris, Walmart has over 200 million visits to its stores weekly. That's like a third of the entire US population. Not to mention Walmart is still the world's largest company by revenue generating $550 billion last year. Well, you think at $550 billion in revenue, you think people would be wanting to buy Walmart stock rather than Tesla stock. Valid point, Chris. That's the one to sleep on tonight. Bob, last August, Exxon was dropped from the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Since that time, the stock has proceeded to climb over 50%. Now, conversely, speaking of Tesla, was just added to the S&P 500 last December, and now shares are down 10% since its inclusion. Well, you know, you think all of you make these mistakes where you sell something that hasn't worked well to buy something that's outperforming. Well, it's not just you. The Dow Jones Industrial Average even does it. All the professionals do it. It's so much better to buy something that's been up for a long time and to sell something that's been down. So it just goes to show you, contrarian is the best way to invest. Wear straw hats in the winter. Well said, Bob. All right, Chris. Heavy duty truck orders rose 44,000 in February. That's not a typo. Triple the number one year ago before the pandemic. Sounds like the economy is heating up. Well, Ryan, I think that the reason a company would order more trucks is so they could transport more goods, which means they're selling more goods, which means there's more demand for more goods. So I'd say that, yes, that's probably indicative of the economy improving. Chris, you're hired as the head paying capital management economist. All right, gentlemen, another great show. If you like our podcast or maybe even love it, please don't be shy. Click on that like button, subscribe. And as always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Oh,